Hi, welcome to our podcast on conscious creative leadership. The space where we get curious about leadership in the 21st century. I'm Darren Abrahams. And I'm Nadine Benjamin. We see ourselves as conscious creative leaders in an ever-evolving world. We believe we're all leaders in our own right. This podcast is our invitation to you to step into leadership with us. Sometimes it gets messy, but staying curious and open to change can open the doorway to new possibilities. In season two, we look at the daily challenges of leadership and how you can overcome them. Episode three, imposter syndrome. What does it look like? Hey everybody, we're back here, episode three on our podcast, Conscious Creative Leadership. And I'd love to welcome... Me, Darren Abrahams. (laughs) And me, Nadine Benjamin. (laughs) This episode, we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Mm. So Dan, would you like to kind of dig into that and start us off? Yes. So in preparation for this episode, I thought I'd look for some definitions online. Mm. Um, And I found this great definition on Wikipedia. Mm. So imposter syndrome also known as imposter phenomenon Mm. or imposterism, Mm. is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, talents or accomplishments and has a persistent internalised fear of being exposed as a fraud. Despite external evidence of their competence, those experiencing this phenomenon do not believe they deserve their success or luck. Wow. That's really interesting, isn't it? that it's that they feel like a fraud mm. you know I was thinking that um, alongside this then that we could say that imposter system imposter syndrome is also feeling like we have come into something too fast or feeling like a task is too big yeah. and we have to do it all alone or we can't tell anyone that we need help or support And that can cause the feeling of imposter syndrome, even though they are overqualified in the thing that they have been presented with. So a self, a kind of a self image of sabotage. It's interesting when I'm hearing you say that I'm what I'm recognizing is there's a lot of secrecy around this feeling of imposter syndrome. And actually, when you bring it into the light it's a very good way for it to begin to disperse and disappear. Yeah. So this season we're talking about challenges, everyday challenges to leadership. Mm. And when we were putting our titles together, imposter syndrome was kind of very near the top of the list because Absolutely. as coaches, we hear this all the time from our clients. Yeah. All the time. Again and again, I, w- I will start working with a new client and one of the first things they mention is imposter syndrome. Yeah, and and and, and I think, uh, for me, a lot of the time with my clients, I'll be quite taken aback. I mm-hmm. never stop being taken aback yeah. by the fact that they're feeling imposter syndrome, even though I know it's a normal thing of coaching. Yes. Because when I look at the individual in front of me, they are a multi-skilled, multi-talented individual with a wealth of training, a wealth of experience. Yes. So is imposter syndrome really about what we do or how we feel? Oh, so interesting. Yeah. Yes. I would say it's about how we feel. Yeah. Uh, Because it is this secret thing that's running underneath Mm. 
the big thing about imposter syndrome is that because we feel like an imposter, we don't say anything about it, mm. um, which can prevent us asking for help, mm. which can prevent us um, acknowledging ourselves, mm. which can prevent us um, overcoming obstacles. Mm. So this internalized feeling of imposter syndrome can keep us in our place, can mm. keep us in that place. Um, that's why I said when you bring it into the light, it's the beginning of being able to clear it. Absolutely. And Marissa Pierce um, talks about, you know, never feeling good enough. And I think mm. that's a symptom of imposter yeah. syndrome, isn't it? Definitely. So not, and uh, my goodness, I used to feel like this all the time. Yeah. I used to feel, I, I really feel it now, rarely. But when I did, it was all about how others saw me mm-hmm. and not having belief in myself, you know. It was it was it was me constantly going, Oh, but what if I get this wrong? And if I get this wrong, it's not gonna be okay. And if I get this wrong, then I'm gonna look stupid and everybody's gonna judge me. And then everybody's gonna find me out. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, who do I think I am thinking I could have done this in the first place? Mm-hmm. But now for me it's it's recognizing like what we were saying, the other side of um imposter syndrome is recognizing the skills that I have that have put me in this place. Yes. You know, and that's how I've got there. It wasn't a fluke. You know, so that takes away the feeling of not good enough. I think especially when I mentor creatives and they've gone on auditions and they've got the job and then they worry about the job. Yes. I said, you went through an audition process and you got chosen. The sheer fact that you were chosen means you're good enough. Now it's all on you. Are you willing to believe that you're good enough? And that's where the work starts. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. It's not about what other person, somebody else is thinking about you. Yes. It's what you're thinking about yourself. Absolutely. And you know, we, I think everybody feels it at some level. Absolutely. What's interesting is that with my female clients, mm. they're much quicker to own it. Mm. They're much quicker to tell me that they have imposter syndrome. Mm. And I don't think that I think there's a, a misconception that that it's mostly felt by women. Mm. I think lots of men feel imposter syndrome. But I've they, never heard that. Oh, I've, I've heard that a lot. Oh, is that it's kind of a lot of a lot of women in, in positions of power and authority kind of say they have imposter syndrome. But I I. I see it in in men as well, but they maybe they're not so quick to own it. Yeah, but I I suppose I suppose we could look at this in two ways. Like, I I've heard the behavioural science around a man will look at a job interview and he'll look at all the things on the job interview and go, oh, I can do two of those things, so I'm going to go for it anyway. Yeah. And a woman will look at this, this at it and go, Oh my god, I can only do two things on this. Oh, I'm not qualified. So in that respect, I I really hear that. But yeah. However, for, for me, I really I agree with you that the fact that we're all human, yes, we're all going to be having this terror barrier happening at different levels of our career. We're going back to this terror barrier again, but yes, that is that is where it can can stem from. That, but I really hear you. Men, just as much as women, yeah, are in an imposter syndrome, and actually, we get the leaky behaviour. Yes, you know, you know. The bullying, the harassment, yeah, the it's not actually how a person most of the time wishes to show up, but their level of fear, their level of not feeling good enough gets them to defend. Yes. 
And imposter syndrome leads to a lot of other behaviors. Yes. Because at its heart, I believe that there's a lack of self-esteem yes. in there or lack of self-worth. Yeah. Um, so we're having to overcome that. Mm. And because we don't wish to show mm. that we have those feelings, mm. then we can build up a whole load of behaviors and barriers and resistance, mm. other kinds of behaviors to mask the fact that we feel unconfident in that situation when the best way to build your self-esteem is to do esteemable acts yes you know so it is that thing of doing things that people don't know about and this helps you growing in relationship to your integral relationship with yourself yes you know so for instance they could see somebody um, at a desk worrying about something the sheer thing of just whispering in the air at work in that setting are you okay is there something I can help you with? Is an esteemable act. The way that that someone then thinks about that person is a sign of role modelling. You know, so this 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 sheer fact of feeling like you're not allowed to show anything yes. actually can, can build a self-esteem if somebody reaches out. And, th- and that's everywhere in society, isn't it? Mm. Our, our discomfort with our feelings yeah. and discomfort being able to show our feelings. I th- actually see that that is breaking down quite a lot at the moment. Yeah. People are are showing their feelings much more because mm. people are feeling overwhelmed. You know, mm. the, the, one of the symptoms of the pandemic is that people are um, are more quick to say mm. when they are feeling uncomfortable or feeling overwhelmed, mm. which is, I think, is a really positive thing. The less positive thing about that is that we're seem to be losing a sense of resilience around it. Oh, I was just about to say that. Thank you, Darren. <laughs> oh, because that, that's the side, yeah, I'm also recognising is that, you know, if if some of the things that we've had to do in our lives, Darren, if we didn't have the level of resilience that we've had, we wouldn't be where we are now. Mm. And, I, and, and, and I think sometimes when I see someone in our industries as coaches or as singers you know, who who has this great knock-on effect of, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong, so I couldn't possibly do this. I think to myself, well, you're, 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 this is, you're not cut out for this world at the moment then. And I think it's about recognising some of those things that that they can take things slower but don't step into things as fast as they would have done if you're still... Not suffering, but having um, a blowback from some of the things from the pandemic. Yes. I don't know if I've explained that clearly <clears throat> enough, and I don't think I have because I wasn't expecting to talk about <laughs> it. But, um, but um, um, the loss of resilience doesn't. I, I'll see if I can get it a bit more clear. The loss of resilience doesn't mean. Um, that you can't do what you wish to do, but don't think you can do it at the pace that you could do it before. Yes. So let's 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 be really clear what we mean by yeah, resilience. Yeah. Actually, I think resilience is the ability to get up again after uh, after adversity. Is absolutely. that when things feel bad? If you have a bad day, or if something if something difficult has happened, a lack of resilience it means that it's it's easy to give up. Yes. When we're talking about resilience, we're saying it's not that you don't feel bad. It's not that difficult things don't happen because that's life and it happens to all of us. But it's having the resources and the practices and the habits to enable you to then shift that and get back on the horse and and try again. Yeah. And uh, 
Resilience is also about emotional regulation. Yes. It's like it's about positive thinking. Yeah. It's about, as you just said, adapt or adaptability, but it's also about social support. And it's also about, and this is the bit I think, self-efficacy. Mm. You know, so so if we're not kind of leaning into those things or having the social support to understand what it looks like yeah. when we go back into this role modeling, um, that loss of resilience is just going to keep happening. Yes. It's interesting that we've come to this place from imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, and something I was thinking about with in terms of imposter syndrome is the situationality of it, is mm. that it's situational. Mm. And that in different situations, that feeling might come up and might lead to different kinds of outcomes and different kinds of behaviours. Mm. So it could lead to a lack of resilience, a collapse. Mm. But it could also lead in the other direction mm. towards uh, overconfidence. Absolutely. Um, so, And both of those things are out of balance. Yeah, I suppose you could call that, you know, what we've been talking about, Darren, is around comparison yeah. being the inferiority part of the complex and the competition being the superiority part of the complex, which is, I think, what you've just said there. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah. We're either underplaying or overplaying. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and the fact that we're thinking, and, and, and this is why I love conscious creative leadership, because those two things define looking up or down. Mm. Yeah. And conscious creative leadership is always looking across. Yes. How can I champion the person to do the next right thing? That's what we were talking about, Dan. We're talking about we come from a place of championship, connection, yeah. you know, congruence. You know, that's where we're coming as conscious creative leaders. So the challenge as a leader, as we've just said, is not to compare with there's an old saying in recovery, compare and despair. Oh, yes. You know, and to, you know, don't be a competitor, be a creator. Yes. You know, so there's those, it, it runs in, it, they're, they're the extremes of two worlds. They are. But I think really at the very heart of imposter syndrome mm. is comparison. Yes. Is comparing oneself against others and not even the reality of others. It's yeah. your perception of others. Yeah, and being in competition with others as well. <clears throat> and then being competition. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think that the two directions that we've looked at, there is the the comparison and then being in competition and the the lack of resilience or the collapse bit is well, I could never be as good as that, so I'm not gonna bother. Yeah. Or the other level is like, I'm gonna beat you. It's so weird. Can I just really be in the moment? Yeah. I'm sitting here talking about this with you and I'm realizing I have a loss of identity with this. Mm. Because I can tell you now, maybe less than 5% of me is in competition with anyone or compares myself to anyone. Yeah. And I'm seeing how far away I am from the feelings of this. And I'm quite shocked. Yes. Because, you know, um, how I work is my mind and then my body catches up. Yeah. And my body is just like full caught up to the fact that this compare and this competition, it it just doesn't run in my world. Mm-hmm. I just it's it's really interesting, and it's 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 really um, looking at the behaviours of what we can do to actually step away from this. So the challenge is is to get back into our self leadership. Yes, always. 
it's, it's consistently coming back to self-leadership because actually the opposite way is the comparison of the competition. I didn't even think about it until I'm, I'm just sitting in it now because yeah. I'm, rec- I'm really recognising how far away even I know that you would be away from it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this, oh my God, yeah, it may happen, like, but it would be in the, the 5% of my life, not... 95 percent and i remember when it was in the 95 percent of my life my life was unmanageable yes my life was unhappy yes my life was exhausting like from another level you know my life was my 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 body was never was never settled yeah i'd be listening to having this conversation and listening to another one at the same time yes because are they talking about me you know that hyper awareness then that is happening because you're in those states. Yes. Well, I have to say that I'm not in that place yet. Okay. I do feel comparison and competition mm. still. Mm. So as um I'm building a business mm. and building an organization and I guess also building a reputation. Mm. So I notice, but and this is the conscious bit of the conscious creative yeah, leadership. Yeah. I'm very conscious of it. When it comes up, yeah. I notice it and I do exactly as you said. I come back into my self-leadership. Yeah. But it, but I would be, I'd be telling a falsehood yeah. if I said that I didn't feel those things anymore. Yeah. I do feel those things. Yeah. And and it's a, it's, a, it's a regular practice of mine to keep coming back into yeah. myself. I remember it really clearly when you talked, just shared your experience then. When I was operating as a professional opera singer mm. for the 20 years of my professional opera singing career, mm. I lived in that world of comparison mm. and competition. Mm. And I don't actually think that I came from that place mm. because I came from a very different kind of theatrical. I came from amateur theatre and actually we, it was just fun. We were having yes. a great time and, you know, building each other up and enjoying each other. And actually in my drama degree, it felt like that as well. When I got into the classical industry, as it was then, at least, and how I experienced it, I felt that we were all pit against each other. Mm. I felt that there was something that was about, we were, it was about competition. Mm. Is that, you know, if two tenors went up for a role, then we were in competition with each other. Mm. Um, and what I learned more and more through, through the, the career, actually, my best friend was another tenor. Because if I couldn't do the job, then he might be able to do the job. If he couldn't do the job, I might be able to do the job. We'd be, we would support each other. But I felt this pressure mm. all the time, the pressure of having to be successful or to be seen as successful mm. because success in the terms of that industry mm. um, was about having the main role. You know, mm. it's even called, you know, you're the diva or the diva, you're mm. the star. <clears throat> what does that mean everybody else is? Mm. And the whole situation about how the hierarchy of if you're in a chorus and what does that mean as opposed to being a soloist and all, all of the stuff that goes around mm. that. I mean, we're talking about very specific industry here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was unhappy. Mm. And I don't think I realized how unhappy I was until I started moving out of it mm. uh, because I didn't like the person that I was being in that mm. environment. I was, um, I think, in, in environments where I felt like I had to prove myself all the time, I don't think I was a very pleasant colleague mm. I don't think I was great in the space I didn't like who I was I found that I was often talking about other people mm. um, you know this kind of 
bitchy quality that comes that can come out mm. kind of all of that stuff i don't live in that world anymore either mm. i've i've created a different world around myself because i i i know who i want to be in the world and i think all of that behavior came from imposter syndrome but the courage that it's just taken for you to say that <clears throat> i'm very moved sorry i've just been coughing my lungs out but um the courage that it's taken for you to say that it's just spellbinding. Thank you, because there's going to be lots of people that's going to need to hear that. And they're going to need to hear that because they're going to recognise that they have a choice. Mm. You know, and I think this is what it comes down to a lot of the time with imposter syndrome, is that you have a choice. You can stay or you can leave or you can grow. Yeah. You know, and... While I started where you started with what you're saying, I recognised for myself pretty quickly that I was an oddball anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of did the opposite direction for me. People were wondering, how comes you're friends with so many sopranos? Mm. Sopranos don't talk to each other, you know. Sopranos don't go and watch each other sing, you know. Sopranos don't champion each other or send each other texts to say, I'm cheering you on, I can see you on the proms and I'm and I'm cheering you on and or what or covering someone, you know, when you're yes. covering someone for a role. Oh gosh. Oh my goodness. And I just said to the I'd just say to the lead, I'm here for you. If you feel like you don't wish to sing, know that I know the role. Mm-hmm. I don't know the role because I want to get on stage. I know the role because I wish to support you if you need me to be on stage. Other than that, my time will come. Yeah. You know, and it shaped me into staying in where I was. So I did feel like an imposter inside that, actually. I didn't sure. think about that. Yes, because actually, you were operating very differently from everybody else. Ex- absolutely. Yeah. I felt like an imposter. But when I go back to what you've just said... And I think about the exhaustion and the weight of that. And I look at the man that's in front of me now. Yeah. I go, oh, my God, goodness. If they could only have given you a moment to... um, to really dig dig deeper into who you are as a human being... What kind of singer would we have? What would would we have had within the industry? Now you're out of the industry. We're going to have that singer anyway on your terms. But it was in- it's interesting what an industry cultivates. Yes. And if actually if we could spin that around, Abs- yes. what would we get differently? And that's sort of just I'm just yeah. in the compa- you, you know yeah. you know comparatively in a, in terms of different uh, journeys. Yes. You know, it's really interesting for me to hear that. So I think actually what we're talking about is norms, like cultural norms or Mm. um, when I say cultural, I mean like the culture of an organization or the culture of an industry or the culture of your society is the norms of how we operate. Yes. And I think often imposter syndrome is about I'm not good enough to meet the expectations of the norms in this culture in which I'm operating. And very often, actually, that's a perception, not a reality. Mm. So if we're comparing the different ways that you and I have navigated the classical music industry, is that actually you have 
you have navigated it from that place of non-comparison, from championing other people. Yeah. I didn't do that yeah, 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 yeah. in my career. Yeah. Um, I could have done because actually I don't think things are that different now to the way they <laughs> to the way they were then. Yeah. I was younger, so yeah. and I hadn't done the same kind of personal development journey. Yeah. But it, as you said, it's a choice. Mm. But I think there is again, there's a norm. So you look around you and you you step into an industry as a young person, and mm. you look around and you see these are the expectations of me. This is how people are operating. Oh, that's the person. That's the career that I want to have. Mm. It's not even about that's the person I want to be because mm. that's I think that's how I've shifted. Mm. Um, that's the career I want to have. I don't mm. really know who that person is, but I want to be doing what that person's doing. Mm. I want to be earning that money. I want to be getting that fame. I want to mm. be standing on those stages. So therefore, I look around and I see how does that person operate or how mm. does the industry around me operate to have allowed that person to get to the place that they are Mm. so it's very shallow actually because it's Mm. not really about the realities of that person's life as I moved on in the industry and I began to get to know more people who had more stellar careers than I Mm. was and um, and also started to step on those stages a little bit more myself I began to see the the other side of it Mm. I began to see the sacrifices and the struggles Mm. and actually that many of those people had imposter syndrome, mm. like standing on the big stage at the Royal Opera House in a lead role, and all of that stuff is there already. And then yeah. all the different barriers and behaviours that come up about defending yourself from revealing that you feel like an imposter. So the um, the you know what we might call the diva behaviours, yeah. or the things about you know not not wanting to be a colleague, co- very strong barriers. Mm. Um, all of that stuff stems from, again, imposter, cover, yeah. imposter syndrome, yeah. covering up the fact that you feel like, am I, should I be in this place? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because I have been at some Royal Opera House performances. And I've gone backstage to see some of the stars. And, you know, I remember one prominent star, I'm not going to mention any names, but, you know, and them turning around to me and saying, was that okay? Mm. And, you know, we think that they're not going to say, is that okay? But actually, just like we're talking about here, we're all have feelings. We are. And the feelings are the same across everything. You know, the situations are different, but actually how we operate as humans, those feelings are the same. And one of the things that we are a part of um, imposter syndrome is just not recognising your worth. Yes. You know, this is something I've had to, to work on in many areas of my life. And in the last couple of years, it has been in the zone of financial empowerment. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about money at another time. Yeah. But it has really highlighted to me the value I placed upon me, my work, and the amount I had invested into my growth. And I've worked out that I have spent over one million pounds in yeah. financials to learn all the things yeah. that I have learned in my education my therapeutic world and my creative studies you know so <clears throat> why am i questioning yes where i am yeah why would i question anymore where i am and i think f- allowing yourself to get in touch with that you know as an individual really separates you from this comparison this competitive stuff because you're actually seeing the value a that you put into yourself and A and B, the value you're going to put into others and actually your consistent level of growth because actually this is where you've you've ended up here because of the work you've put in, the effort you've put in. You know, it's not, again, it's not luck. No. 
I think that for me, that brings it right back to the thing you said at the, on the very first episode of this season mm. was about being in service. Yes. And when you shift your viewpoint or your standpoint for the for what you do in the world, who you are in the world, mm. to the place of service, mm. then it changes everything. Mm. I think it change it can change the it can definitely change the competition and the comparison stuff because mm. if you're coming from the place of service, it's like we it's how can I serve? I loved the story you said about being as a as a cover, as an understudy. Mm is that you are signaling to the person that you are there, that you are covering, that you're there to support them. Yeah. That's coming from a place of service. Yeah. I think it can be a great antidote to imposter syndrome. I'm not saying that coming from a place of service is going to take away imposter syndrome <laughs> because I think as we are establishing through this episode is that it's a human thing. Mm. We all feel it at some level at some point in our mm. lives and there's no shame in that. Mm. We the the challenge the problem with imposter syndrome is when it becomes a shameful thing yes. that we cover up so i think we can still be in service and have imposter syndrome mm. but thinking of yourself from a place of service can help you to rally yourself to take the next step because it's not only about you no. it's about others Absolutely. it's about what we're here to do it's about how we're here to improve the world around us and that's a very that's a real shift in mindset so that's why it's really important that we celebrate what we do darren yes yeah we celebrate who we are we have people who mirror that celebration you're one of them for me yeah. you know who mirror what we do and go well done this is bloody amazing you know and that you know the other person does the same back but also then we celebrate others yes we we, we role model what that looks like you know that gratitude for being where we are yes you know the the recognizing the effort and the value of what they've done and and how it's placed in the world and that we do it publicly yes as well yes, it's not yes. of course we do it privately to the people we love and kind of in private yeah. conversations and messages but I think creating a culture of celebration yeah. in which we celebrate each other and we we um we acknowledge each other's achievements yeah. in a public way yes. can also change the the prevailing culture. Absolutely. Oh, I think that's a really great place to end. Me too. You know, you know on that, celebrate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what is our question going to be for this week? Um, you have the question this week. <laughs> so I think the question is, what ways do you celebrate yourself? And if you don't, celebrate yourself how can you start and if you do how can you remember to keep doing it yes yes we're oh. sending you out into the world from this episode in a spirit of celebration so celebrate till we hear you see you i don't know how you do that on a podcast until we're next together hmm. we'd love to know how you're celebrating yourself we will continue to champion you every week that we're here. This is me, Nadine Benjamin. And me, Darren Abrahams. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on this journey of conscious, creative leadership. If you'd like to know more, check out the show notes for links and send us a message at Conscious Creative Leadership on Instagram. Stay, Stay conscious. conscious. Stay creative, stay self-led. Stay self -led.